Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 318, covering Q2 and Author Author with Brian Lynch. Hi, friends. Uh, I actually like these episodes this week, and Brian, you you agree, right? That's right. I agree with you very much. Coming at you live, it's Brian. Believe it or not, we're talking with Brian. I've got, do uh, as the, the audience can hear, I don't think he can. You heard that song we were singing before. Uh, I've, uh, I'm, I've got a bit of allergies, so I apologize for my uh, absurdly Your sexy voice. sensual voice. I don't know. I had this going a few weeks ago, and I did the same apology, and a few people wrote in and said, no, I like it. You should make yourself sick all the time. A few people said that was like, that was ASMR. Dear sex boy. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that my name now? Yeah, I guess. Sure is. Okay. Sounds like a really lazy SNL sketch, so an <laughs> SNL sketch. It's starring Adam Sandler. Take that, SNL. As the greatest I American sex, sex boy. boy. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned that because uh, Chris Pine hosted this past week and did a Star Trek sketch. Oh, I heard about uh, that, yeah. Which was the most painfully written thing I've seen in a very long time. However... Are you, uh, you going to say the same however I had? Let me find out. Uh, Chris Pine's Shatner impression was yes. delightful. Yes, his yeah. Shatner impression is amazing. Well, it makes me wish he was doing it in the movies. Well, of course, yeah. like, the, you know how much work the dude must have put into it, just, like, working towards becoming that character? Well, the thing is, he's Kirk, he's not Shatner. No, I know, and but, he's like, he's probably the first worked very hard not to be Shatner all this time, and now he can just let it all go. But no, what the first was great thing was you do when you find out you're going to be Kirk is that you perfect your Shatner, and then you work <laughs> from there. And yeah, then see how much you have to scale back. But he wasn't doing like all the Shatner impression things people do. Like to to us Star Trek professionals, that was like yeah, a you, real Shatner impression. Yeah, it was. He was actually he actually sounded a little like him, and he was doing a lot of weird body stuff. And it was it was great. It was the sketch was not worthy of his performance because it was just the most phoned in the usual. Yeah. So the usual Trek sketch crap. Yeah, no, yeah, it I was mean, it was yeah. they had a like a, a wacky Vulcan who was wacky. Uh huh. Yeah, was Spock's it's, yeah, it's on YouTube if you want yeah, to check just, it out. Just yeah, no, out. I've seen this a million fucking times. It's like, worth it for the Kirk impression. It absolutely is. The last, and, the and, last good Trek sketch was the Carol Burnett one. Well, the um, the dude who played Sulu in this sketch apparently is the same dude who played Sulu in the John Belushi uh, Star Trek sketch from the seventies. Mm-hmm. Wow. Some like stagehand, or I mean, probably more important than a stagehand, but somebody in the in the behind the scenes uh, world. Here, Jimmy, like, can, uh, get the, over here. You play, you play literally Sulu the only time, Asian right? in the building. I guess you get to be Sulu. <laughs> All right, I got to be Sulu last time too. <laughs> last time was forty years ago. I'm tripping balls. Yeah, back in character. I love it. <laughs> uh, speaking of shows that usually phone it in, <laughs> uh, let's talk about Voyager. Oh, I thought uh, you were talking Brian. about us. <laughs> uh, wow, please. I'm literally Come phoning on, it in. Well, I'm skyping it in. <laughs> yeah, basically the same thing. Let's, uh, we, we're, this is, uh, what, what is this? This, after this week, we have four left or six left? I don't remember. Uh, after this week, we have six, six left. Six, yes. yeah, I think. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I put that in my are, summary. Uh, we're getting there. Brian, why don't you, why don't you tell us about, uh, I, I can't imagine what character might appear in, in 
Q2, but uh, why, why don't you tell oh, us? This I was, a, this was a Bosch episode. This was an interesting case for me because uh, last last week, uh, Al emailed me and he said, uh, okay, uh, you're on pod next week. Uh, I assume the Q episode is yours. And mm-hmm. I said, yes, it is. Because, I mean, I thought, I was like, oh, right, there's a Q episode. Oh, I guess that must be mine. I, I probably asked for because I did the last one, whatever. And then I, yeah. I watched it and I, I made my notes and I started writing my summary and all. And the next episode started up. And as soon as it started, I was like, oh, right, I wanted to do this one. <laughs> I didn't well, want to do it. Too late. I had already, so Alan already the other one. His thing. So here under yeah. protest is beef burgers. Um, <laughs> okay. We open in tedious rest on Voyager as Echeb gives a boring ass book report. It's too long and too convoluted, so Janeway passes him without hearing the whole thing. Oh, sure. He's a Borg, so he's incapable of being concise, right? That's called the soft bigotry of lowered expectations, Kate, and you're better than that. Before long, a hashtag cool teen shows up in Kate's quarters, mocking Echeb. I like him already. As if the condescension and fish lips weren't enough, Q shows up to confirm what we all knew from the episode title. This here is Q Jr. From the last time I was on. Hey, that's two characters whose appearances I've completely monopolized now. That means I get to put hotels on them. (laughs) So Q has decided to leave lowercase Q in care of Janeway for a while, for no particular reason. I guess he felt the show was running low on whimsy and smugness. Wrong on both counts. The wee baby Q gets bored and starts messing with the ship like so much Charlie X slash Trelane slash the Practical Joker slash his own dad. It's rather predictable, but still fairly amusing, which is also on the Q family crest. It sounds better in Latin. Valde Providere Possumus said etiam ridiculum excitandum. <laughs> so he makes engineering into a totally rad dance party. He hits on Balana. Man, she sure does attract obnoxious teenagers, huh? He fucks with Neelix. He watches Voyager reruns and makes them more interesting. Wait, can we do that? <laughs> uh, Q returns and reveals that little Q is uh, something of a delinquent, as none of the Q know how to be parents. The Continuum takes away his powers, and the Voyagerks all take turns mentoring the lad, starting with Neelix and Chakotay, which is a great way to make him start hating all biological life. Then it's exercise with Tuvok, flying lessons with Paris, pouty sullenness 101 with Icheb, and relentless people-pleasing with Harold. Anyway, you can see where this is all going. Q and Q have to go before the Continuum and prove that he's learned how to give a care. He has. They all go off to live no trouble at all ever after. Uh, Big Daddy Q moves them a chunk closer to Earth for their troubles because it's six weeks from the finale. Who gives a shit? This week on Becker. Becker has insomnia and the gang has to help him get through it. Ugh, that is clip show written all over it. This week on Reba, nothing. Reba didn't premiere until four months after Voyager ended. I'm sure Scarlet could have made it for at least a few weeks. We could have had Naomi. All all I want to see in the world is Naomi Wildman interacting with Tiny Q. Or or normal-sized Q. That or sounds anyone. amazing to me. Either Q would be like, fine. Like, as much as I enjoyed, and I did enjoy, the friendship between small Q and Icheb, I would have mm-hmm. paid damn good money for some some Naomi and small Q action. I, I actually, I actually so, did like that. My, my, my familial, apparently, hatred of Icheb aside... <laughs> I was about to I was about to ask you, yeah, so you're in the Icheb haters club. Yeah, huh? just don't the like He-Man the guy. He's a haters club. Bad actor, and he's boring, and every time he shows up, he's adding nothing to the scene he's in. But his friendship with, like, you know, I, he had another teen to interact with. He had a peer, and he had, his peer was also an obnoxious douche, but in a different way. Really, it was Tom and Harry. <laughs> that, that Well, I mean, I was yeah, watching I this, and, like, I mean, this is my good thing with this episode. Um, They mm-hmm. turned into, like, tiny Kirk and Spock for a while. It was delightful. Also works. 
Oh yeah, because Lil Q wanted to break all the rules and do his own thing. And yeah, they any like, any scene where they're where they're out in their spaceship fucking around, it's like, oh, it's the it's the it's the Kirk and Spock Junior show. And actually, at the very beginning of the episode, where Brian was talking about the uh, the the report that each of was giving, he actually gave a report about Kirk, which mm-hmm. I think yeah. they thought was fan service, but was more just like, hey, we know a name from that other show. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that probably put it in your head in the first place. Like, uh, that that makes oh, yeah, sense. Kirk. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did see a little Tom and Harry in them because uh, Q Jr. is like the, uh, hey, let's break all the rules and fly the ship around and have fun. And each Eb is, we should ask the captain first. Oh, I don't know if mom's oh. going to like this. Oh, I cannot oh, do that voice right now. I don't know, Davy. <laughs> no, I enjoyed this. And um, something you didn't point out, which is my good thing, is mm. that uh, uh, Q Jr. Uh, was played by John Delancey's real life child. Yes, that was good. And I liked him. Like, I, I thought he was well cast, not just mm-hmm. because of the stunt casting of him being Delancey's kid, but I thought he was good in a lot of the same ways that, that his dad is. Like, in that uh, in that sort of smarmy, playful, a little bit dangerous, but a little bit funny, that kind of thing. Like, mm. he, he did a good job. And and looking him up on, like, Wikipedia, IMDb, he didn't do a lot of acting. Like, they got him in here special for this, but he he, he doesn't have a lot of credits to his name. So well, I I feel like this is one of those things where Delancey was like, "Can my like we're doing an episode about my kid? Can I just bring my kid in?" Oh, it definitely. Yeah, he's definitely to the point now where he can he can say, "Yeah, put my kid in the show," and they'll say, "Yeah, all right." But I also think that it's like, okay, we'll bring him in. Can he act? <laughs> and them going, okay, yeah, no, you know what? This guy's good enough to do Voyager. I thought he was. They 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 I, put a lot on him, and I thought he carried yeah, well. I, I like to think that Delancey's the kind of guy who wouldn't throw his kid in just to throw him in. He'd be like, hey, I think he can do it. Yeah. You know, he yeah. he, he obviously cares a lot about this character, as we've seen through the years. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, yeah, he wouldn't do a disservice to him just to get his mm-hmm. kid a job. No, and but the nice thing was they didn't just, like, they set him up with scenes with, you know, John Delancey. The yeah. original Q. Yeah. But then they let him like him leave for a while and we just got new Q and it wasn't irritating. It wasn't like, ugh, here's the new Poochie Q. Well, I mean, that's like, the thing. Here, he here we go. Basi- like he basically carries the episode. Like, oh, he, he yeah. very much does. I, w- I was on saying- screen for almost all of it. But they don't rely on pairing him up with his dad and saying, like, trying to coast on the familiar uh, uh, no, character. Exactly. They really that's my point. push that's him out you, there on his own. That's how you yeah. can tell he's he's got the chops to actually be here. I was saying yeah, before exactly. the uh, before we started recording that both of these episodes, but especially this one, were less actually, especially the next one, but especially Bart, um, <laughs> were um, really not so much like episode episodes, but like a series of themed vignettes. Yeah, uh, kind of. But they were good, and so in this case, it was like, so here's what Echeb does, or here's what uh, Q does with Echeb. Here's what Q does with uh, Chakotay. Here's what yeah, it's Q like, does uh, with Neil. Twenty two short films about Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just not enough worked. time it to worked see really them all. Well. <laughs> Actually, interest, I, like, I mean, there's not enough interest to see them all. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we had talked briefly before we started recording about how they retread a few like familiar episodes in both of these, actually. And <laughs> yeah. this almost felt like they were going through Q's greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Like there was the episode where he lost his powers and had to prove himself as a member of the Enterprise crew. There was uh, the the Amanda the Q where she's got powers and doesn't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Like there's um, there's, a, there's a few different... Uh, Which, by the way, I thought of that several times when they kept saying, like, he's the first Q baby to be born and blah, 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 whatever. I'm like, well, is he well, though? Is he? They said in the continuum because what happened was that... Yeah, that, she was born as a the, human and then they gave her power. Like, I know it's right. a different case, but... <laughs> I know. 
You can't expect them to remember things. Look, they said Kirk's name, okay? They respect the continuity. They can't yeah. have been expected got... to watch Star Trek. Like, come on. Spe- speaking of that, oh. can I just say my bad thing right now real quick? Oh, It's a short okay. one. Uh, my bad thing is, hey, Q, you don't have to talk about Picard every single time you show up. It's completely <laughs> obnoxious. Also, quiet as a Ziznian church mouse? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> We've I, always hated those. Q I've just wants everyone just... to know how much he misses Picard. But, like... Literally everything. We all like, miss Picard. Oh, mm-hmm. you're, the, you're the child's godparent. I wonder if it's too late to ask Jean Luc. And I'm like, oh, really? You know Picard? You never. I, I actually, I actually like that quite a bit. Just because I believe Q thinks about Jean Luc a lot. Like, I feel like yes, it would be, be more interesting if he never mentioned the other people whenever he <laughs> shows up on another ship. Well, I mean, he never uh, mentioned Cisco because he punched him in the face. Oh, that's. <laughs> I don't want to talk. Never happened. I never. I don't want to talk about that guy. As, as far as Q is concerned, that never happened. If I've read Convent for my personal continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think my Q um, impression is just Inspector Gadget. <laughs> Jean-Luc, I'm, I'm always, always on, on duty. Yeah. Oh, shit, that was better. <laughs> Sorry do, 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 about do, that, Q. His spatial um, anomaly will self-destruct. <laughs> but we we know Matt's, uh, Matt's feelings on the whole Q Picard thing. I believe uh, at yeah, this point absolutely. I've been uh, pretty much justified in that. I don't know about that. <laughs> nope, nope, checks out. Uh, all right. I, I don't feel like arguing with you, therefore you're right. Yeah. Hooray <laughs> <laughs> right, right for Matt. Um... Let's see. Uh, my my bad thing. Okay. Yes. So, so Cunier, uh, this is going to catch on. I'm going to make it a thing. I'm just going to keep saying Cunier until we're all saying it. Sorry, I, I almost prefer- put it in my summary, but I saw it in your thing, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to let you <laughs> coin this. It is not worth giving me the first. Uh, no, no, it's coined. You've coined it now. No, I much okay. prefer referring to him as lowercase Q. Yeah, lowercase Q is so much that's, better. That's that was, that's that was better in writing. Better. That's yeah. like the Geordi Unchained joke. It only works in writing. <laughs> Um, so when he, when he takes out the Delta Flyer, which is now the only shuttle on Voyager, by the way, like we have other shuttles, but nobody ever uses them. They're um, all, we've got this all, nice, we've got this nice big this set. Point. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Well, it was probably just um, easier to fit cameras in the Delta Flyer set. It's the thing is he, um, he, he's, he doesn't have his powers at this point. He knows how to use uh, existing Voyager technology to open up like little wormholes to go wherever he wants. Like, I get that Q doesn't want to cheat and send Voyager all the way home, but can't he just give them that technology, which they already have using what they already have here? Here, you can open up a wormhole to go home. I actually have a theory about that, that Q knows that the series is almost over. That could be. It's like he definitely has some kind of meta awareness. It's that's, it's like it's not possible. not even just that he's like okay, there's only like five episodes left, but it's like okay, well they're getting home in like six months, so I'll just give them like a little boost, and that's it. And you're getting home in six weeks. Well, you're getting home in twenty years, and then you're getting home in six weeks. Spoilers. Yeah. Oh, is that what happens? Uh, I'm not telling. Uh, it's it's mm. a bunch of time travel bullshit. That's what I remember from seeing mm. it when it aired. Get ready, guys. Enjoy this week. Yeah. I saw I saw it when it aired, but that was two thousand one, so it's it's been a while, or possibly two thousand. So it was a long time ago. We had all those monoliths around. It was a whole thing. I, well, I know I know Enterprise aired in two thousand one because it was like two weeks after nine eleven, and they had the Sula ban, which yep. was just really bad planning on their part, or uh, well, bad planning, bad timing, but, you know. yeah, yeah, bad timing. And um, uh, so Voyager must have ended just before that. So mm-hmm. I assume two thousand one, but I I don't know. Maybe Enterprise was like Discovery and took for fucking ever to come out. <laughs> I don't remember. I believe Discovery's current premiere date is 2023. 
That's fine. We'll be ready for it. Maybe. If I'm still alive. Um, Matt, what was your bad thing? Um, yeah, so we did a good seven years of this show without any gratuitous no, nude didn't. shots of the no. female characters. Um, I don't know why we get Seven and Kate both now. Like, admittedly, Kate was covered in bubbles and Seven doesn't give a shit who sees her naked, but still creepy and off-putting. Like, this shit's a lot less fun than when Q crawls into bed with Jean-Luc. That's See, just I delightful. feel like... And they made Seven's feel, Naked back the preview image on Netflix, too. Of I'm course like, oh, they great, fucking... Let's, let's make this feel oh, real salacious. What, what, did Rick Berman get to choose what the Netflix uh, icon was? Yeah, probably. Look, the I thing mean, is, the... Bugging Kate in the bath does feel like just a wacky comedy thing. That mm. didn't bother me. That didn't feel exploitive in the least. That's just, she's in her crazy mom bubble bath. You can see her head and that's it. Such and, a mom. And, and Q just pops up uninvited because that's what he does. Like, and it was smart of them to keep him in his uniform. Like if he yes. had popped up in Jean-Luc's bubble bath, he would have been naked. Yeah. Like, because yeah. that would have no, been funnier. It, that that was nowhere close to exploitive. But the, the seven thing absolutely was. You're right. That was just straight up creepy. And Re- really that ups- might just upsetting. Just that know. might just be a function of giving a 15 year old Q powers. I mean, oh, it absolutely you know. is. Like, that was I the moment when I started it, thinking about Charlie X. Yeah, yeah, no, it was the exact same vibe, but it's still yeah. it's still gross. I do like, as you point out, I do like her saying, yeah, I'm naked. So what? I'm also working. Like, leave me alone. I don't care if I have clothes or not. I'm working. You see what I Didn't wear nor- her a bit. normally, right? There's only a molecule of fabric keeping me from non-nudity yeah. anyway. Now, now you can see my nipples. That is the only difference. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, four decks away, Harry Kim starts sweating because somebody on the ship said nipple. Just has like oh, an boy. anime nosebleed, just like. <laughs> <laughs> Harry was hardly in this episode at all. That's almost a good thing. Ooh, that is a good thing. I- I, that's always a good thing. He did a little hailing frequencies open, and I was like, oh, is that the first time I've seen you? I could have gone for uh, a little bit of uh, uh, little Q torturing Harry. That could have been fun. I yeah, appreciate the him, torturing Neelix. That was great. Turn but. him into a thing, like um, like when he turned Bever into a uh, a uh, an Irish setter. Yeah, nobody got turned into a dog in this episode. Yeah. Is that your bad thing? That's one of them. I can, right. Voyager could always use more dogs. It's been low on dogs since the first episode. Well, that's that's the one thing Enterprise is going to give us. It might not have anything else going for it, but it does have a cute dog. That's true. So I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but I watched the first episode of uh, Enterprise. It's got promise. No, it doesn't. I'm interested to see what we have to say about some things. Okay. I saw that too when it aired and... Uh... Mm-hmm. Sexy oil. Look, I'm, just let me just let me stand tall on the wings of my dreams for a little bit. <laughs> it's been a long road, Brian. Uh okay, I'm not I'm not joking. I actually forgot that I was quoting the Perfect Strangers theme and I thought I was quoting the actual I was Enterprise wondering theme. about that. I'm like, I know the Perfect Strangers <laughs> well, theme don't and you I have know a the Facebook Enterprise friend theme. Who, those are not the same. You have a Facebook friend who thinks the Perfect Strangers theme should be the Enterprise theme, don't you? Well, no, no, a few people have made that observation that it sounds like oh, okay. the, per, the like like somebody did like there's YouTube videos where they swap the theme songs around and stuff. I got to check that mm. out. But so, like, I guess I just had that in my mind, and I thought I was doing an Enterprise quote, and I was actually, you know, hey, I, I mean, like Jonathan Archer says, get out of the city. <laughs> don't don't be ridiculous. Standing so tall joy, 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 on the joy, wings joy. of my that dreams. Is all I know about Perfect Strangers. That's all I know about Perfect Strangers. Don't be ridiculous. I watched eight years uh, of Perfect per- Strangers. Bronson Pinchot does good audiobooks. Because <laughs> I liked Perfect Strangers. Okay. Also, I was like eight. Well, not the entire time if you watched seven years of it or whatever. No, I would have grown into eight. He was eight the oh. entire time. Matt yep. had a condition he never told you about. 
He's actually your age. I, I had a form of Jack's disease. You had Benjamin Balky's disease. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what was your good thing? Oh, I don't even. It's uh, here it is. Okay. Uh, okay. So the, I'm going to be saying a good thing about somebody I don't usually say good things about. Well, we, try to, we try to do that when we can find them. Yeah. Chakotay's diplomacy lesson is actually pretty cool. Because, like, we, you know, he's, his job is to teach... Uh, uh, Cunier uh, diplomacy mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, that's a, a Q's job is to maintain order in the universe. I mean, apparently they say it. Uh, as of this episode, it is. Yeah, I have never seen evidence of that I, like, I, in their I thought, eight appearances prior. I thought it was to not do anything and for one of them to not leave us alone. Yeah. Uh, so what he does is he creates on the holodeck a mining dispute between the six most intransigent species in the, the Federation and surrounding mm-hmm. areas. Uh, the Nausicans, who are violent and warlike. The Romulans, who consolidate their power at all costs. The Bajorans and Cardassians, who will never agree on anything. The Ferengi, who will do anything for the profit. And the Bolians, who um, are so happy to have speaking roles that they'll never back down. <laughs> Uh, he, that, that joke was funnier when I wrote it, and then a Bullion showed up in the next episode. I was like, we're just fucking loaded with Bullions now, aren't we? We got one uh, Bullion, damn it, we're gonna use him. Uh, so he makes Cunier moderate a meeting with a representative from each species. Like, he sets him up to fail so that he'll come back and ask for help, and that's a very Chakotay method of management. Mm-hmm. And I mean that as a compliment. Like, that's, like, the good, like, weird badass boss Chakotay we've seen a couple times and liked. I was watching them uh, like, this is really throwing him in at the deep end until Chakotay's like, oh no, I'll be here. Yeah, until, and Chakotay's like, look, I'll be right outside if you need me. chases him out. And yeah, and then uh, what makes it even better is that Q not only succeeds, but gets the Cardassian to apologize to the Bajoran for the occupation. You know, it's cute. Like, there's this funny, like, Chakotay walks in and the Bajoran and the Cardassian are hugging. Yeah, the thing is, he he ends up pulling a Kirk, though. He ends up reprogramming yeah. the thing instead of actually diplomatically well, yeah, solving yeah. it. Which it's not I, an actual I, solution, but... I would have loved that twist. I would have loved if if he had natural diplomatic talent and they mm-hmm. went that direction with it. Yeah, He does that a few times where it looks like he's succeeded, but he's actually... He, he, yeah. he finally gets busted when he steals uh, Echep's report and passes it <laughs> off as his own. And Janeway's like, this is boring. I know who wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> this has the word Echeb written in it and then crossed out in crayon. Which is weird because it's a pad. <laughs> Echeb, do you know what would happen if I turned in my report with your name on it? <laughs> I'd get kicked off the off of Voyager. <laughs> now, you don't want me to get kicked off of Voyager, do you? Uh, well, kind of. <laughs> The thing well, is, the the quote from George there is to not say anything. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm quoting with you, but you can't tell. Echeb, hello. <laughs> Where, uh, where's my stick with a fist on it? Oh, you guys right, want to watch from, Back to the Future? I want to watch Back to the Future now. Yeah, I I, I kind of do. Like, I just are, recently. Are I just recently reread Brian North's uh, page by page uh, review of the uh, Back to the Future novelization and, and enjoyed it once again. Oh that, shit, that, that's that, so good! That book is amazing. Yeah, yeah. The Ryan North book, I mean, not the, not yeah. the novelization. No, I, the that's thing is, weird. I grew I I grew up reading the Back to the mm-hmm. Future novelization like back in the day because that that hit right in my sweet spot. I was like ten, and there was no VHS yet, so like that was. If I wanted to see that movie again, I had to read that book. So mm-hmm. I read it over and over and over again. The same guy wrote a, uh, a Gremlins novelization. Yes. Yes. Which opens up talking about how too. like they were like created on an alien planet. Yeah, genetically by, like, engineered. An ancient mm-hmm. wizard or something. Yep. It's, I still have it on my bookshelf. It is fucking bizarre. It's that, 
that dude is insane. Yeah. And like, it's like half like what you get in all novelizations, which is early screenplay weirdness. And a half mm. of this guy is just such a fucking weird writer. Yeah. Yep. Just the, the things that he would get, like he would go off on tangents about for no reason. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, uh, the, the, uh, thing Ryan North did is called B to the F and it's actually like, he did it as a Tumblr and, and you yeah. can read it if you want to scroll back through like in reverse chronological order, or uh, you can no, actually you can actually a Kindle uh, book now for, yeah, for yeah, like you, two bucks. Yeah. And, uh, you could, there's a thing on the, uh, on the Tumblr to read it in chronological order. So you don't oh. have to do it. Oh, good. There wasn't last time I went to reread, yeah. which is why I own it now. Oh, wait, maybe. No, you could, you can also, unless he revamped it and got rid of that to mm. sell the book. <laughs> Ryan North is a fucking genius, just while we're on the topic. Oh, man, his Jughead is ridiculous. Yeah. Yep, and Squirrel Squirrel Goal. Squirrel Goal. His Choose Your Own Adventure, Hamlet. Uh, And Romeo and Juliet. And Romeo and Juliet, yeah, thank you. My favorite, uh, last time I did Romeo and Juliet, I was playing as Juliet, and I wound up hitting on uh, Jacquees from As You Like It at a Bar. (laughs) (laughs) See, and the fact that Matt is speaking highly of that, and he hates Shakespeare, is really saying something. I know. I'm aware. Matt, oh, can I tell I you have... something? As somebody mm-hmm. who hates Shakespeare, the reason that guy's name is Jacquees is because Shakespeare did not know how to pronounce the French name Jacques. <laughs> so you can tell from like reading like how he rhymes and how it fits into the rhythm that he thought it was pronounced Jacquees. Oh, Shakespeare, you dumb idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, pretty much the uh, position of academia. On it's always... Or it's Mike that's Nelson why, once that's why it's always nice when he does something stupid. Yeah. Because you're like, you're not so great. Shakespeare, nice, nice play, Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, I, I back to this episode, which oh, we are still yeah. which is not about, written by not. Ryan North or Shakespeare. No, I was, I was very disappointed. This isn't my official bad thing, but it is definitely a bad thing. Uh, no, Susie Plaxon. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I couldn't find a gainly way to work it into my summary, but I wanted to say, I when I realized that uh, Q's wife isn't showing up, I hear a scream of despair from uh, from Seattle. <laughs> yeah, well, you would have. Because <laughs> I was, I, all the guest credits came up. I'm like, yes, yeah. Oh man, where is your wife anyway? Ah, uh, she disowned Q and ran away. No, <laughs> man. <laughs> boo, I, I, boo on this episode. <laughs> I do like, and actually, I don't want to spoil. We haven't. Uh, never mind. I thought this was your quote, but it's not. Um, oh no, I I, 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 I have a bunch of possible quotes, but I finally decided on one. Ah, okay. No, I, I wanted to talk about him talk uh, calling the captain Aunt Kathy. Like, mm-hmm. it was oh, one of those... Th- no, that one is my quote. Oh, is it? That's I'm the sorry. one I finally decided on. Ah, okay. Because I what I see here is scan, scan, scan. No, no, that's... I was writing down all the ones I thought I might do, and uh, you'll notice that Aunt Kathy is my fifth one. That's the one I put ah. the time code in mm-hmm. for. All right. Well, then let's... let's so hear. here's Janeway at her most mom and her most aunt. Aunt Kathy. Don't you Aunt Kathy me. Yep. I love that because it's one of those throwaway cue lines. It's one of those, uh, yeah, you know, like Bar Rodent, where he said it once and you're kind of supposed to forget it. I mean, we didn't. We latched onto that one. Oh, like, of course we did. Someone insulted on Elix? Another, like- another of my finalists was Q Jr. calling him Kitchen Rat. Oh, my God. I <laughs> took such joy from Kitchen Rat. That is good, but it sounds like a uh, sounds like something you'd see on, a, on an infomercial. Kitchen Rat! The new Kitchen Rat. Yep. Aren't you tired of taking chips out of a bag and then it explodes and the guy's like, what? Ouch. But yeah, no, what I love about Aunt Kathy is that they do it like at the first, uh, the beginning and he's like, stay with your Aunt Kathy for like whatever. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's like a throwaway dumb joke that you shouldn't hear again, but then he earnestly calls her Aunt Kathy the rest of the episode. And she just moms right at him in that one when he's asking about, don't you Aunt Kathy me? 
Yeah, she she basically okay. I guess this is my name now. And my other uh, another one of my uh, uh, quote finalists was uh, when she breaks up his party, and I was like, "Mom, Janeway is the best." She's like, "This party is over. Get your guests off my ship. This party is over. <laughs> Call all of their moms and dads." <laughs> you hear a needle being pulled off a record. Just typical. All and right. the other, I mean, as long as I'm talking about them, I should say that uh, Neelix almost got the uh, quote because. Uh, we didn't go into detail on it, but he was annoying Q Jr. so much when he still had his powers that he took away his mouth and vocal cords. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is great. And so then when Q loses his powers, Neelix is petty and vindictive, which is yep. usually not a good look on him. But for some mm-hmm. reason, it actually worked in this episode. No, it, like, was, it oh, was funny. Oh, does yeah. my talking annoy you? You can't do anything about him. Like. <laughs> Neelix being aware of how annoying he is is actually a good look on him. <laughs> well, that's when they occasionally do pair him up with Tuvok and it's actually funny. Mm-hmm. And that's usually what he's doing. Yeah. He knows that he's being annoying and he kind of leans into it. And that's when it kind of works. I think it's when they write it where he thinks he's being nice and he's annoying that it's, it's horribly failure. <clears throat> yeah, that's bad. Yep. All right. Anything else about this one? or? Should uh... Uh, I, I kind of like Tuvok's workout sweats, which have a little uh, security department stripe on them. Mm-hmm. Have we seen those outfits before? I think the jogging the outfits. Where, I think back when he was doing the um, the drill sergeant. Yeah, no, we, we've definitely yeah, seen him yeah, drill yeah. sergeant with the crew before. Yeah. No, no, I think I think yeah, they were wearing like workout suits. Yeah, it was nice. I like the yep. I like whenever they show like Starfleet suits that are for something else, like the desert jackets yeah. or whatever. And, uh, I was not aware of, but it was explained to me. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, do the logically. Speaking of costumes, actually, uh, I put this uh, my uh, the the post atomic horror robes returned the judge robes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, complete Q robes. Yeah, I thought that was Which, a weird choice because it's like they forgot that those weren't that those are from the post atomic horror, and they're just like, oh, that's what Q's wear. I get. Yep. Well, I mean. Here's my my no prize explanation for that is Q is the only Q that really cares about human stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when the other Qs have to appear to humans, they just sort of look at what he does, which is why I don't like, want to put on a Starfleet uniform. That well, yeah, that's like Starfleet that's why Susie yeah. Plaxton showed up wearing a Starfleet uniform, even though she doesn't yeah. care. She's like, I guess this is what you wear. And so yeah. when those guys showed up to be judges, they're like, I guess this is what he wears. <laughs> I mean, I know the real reason is like the same reason that Jedi's all wear brown robes is because the first one we met lived in a desert where that's yeah. what you'd wear. And then right. George Lucas got lazy. <laughs> God. <laughs> all right. Anything else? Uh, oh, and they also all had purple lipstick on just like he did. So nice touch. Yep. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. Matt. Move right along. All right. Let's move on then to author, author. The one in I keeping... wanted. What's that? The one I wanted. <laughs> Well, you should have you should have said. Petula Brian uh, comes with everything you see here. <laughs> in keeping with proud Voyager tradition, our teaser this time is someone in a historical Earth costume doing some historical Earth shit. Look, it's the Doctor in a smoking jacket writing with a feather pen. Is this not the thrilling space adventure you showed up for? Oh, it isn't. Well then, what if I told you the Doctor wrote his own hollow novel in which he is the main character, and the entire story makes the crew look like jerks? Also, the crew can make short calls to the Alpha Quadrant now, and naturally, Doctor jumps to the front of the line so he can sell his hollow novel to an eager publisher. To be clear, there's still no money in the Alpha Quadrant, so I'm not sure what type of transaction is actually taking place here. Nevertheless, once the crew have a look at the Doc's extremely biased work of barely fiction, they raise some sensible objections. 
I don't have a mustache, says Tom. Yeah, and you got my tattoo all wrong, says a creaking doorstop that's inexplicably wearing a uniform. (laughs) You got my hair wrong, but I probably would shoot one of your patients if I thought you were triaging inefficiently, says Kate. Realizing this paints his friends in a somewhat unflattering light. Get it? Light? The doctor tries to convince the publisher to hold off on releasing the thing until he can make some changes. But too late. It's already out there and people are loving it. And who's going to stop the publisher from distributing it? Some dumb guy made out of light? I don't think so. Fortunately, Kate's seen Measure of a Man before, and she knows how this has to go. She argues passionately to a panel of Starfleet authorities in favor of the doc's sentience. That issue remains undecided, but the judge does order all copies of the Hollow Novel recalled, which is definitely how software works. Once you take it back, nobody can ever play it again. But you can't blame the people for wanting to. I mean, who wouldn't want to play a video game where you're a balding, thankless servant and everyone around you is a complete jerk? On a completely unrelated note, watch for the Nick and Willikins adventure game coming this year from Pinhead Games and Algar Productions. That was a good plug. I did not even see the similarities until I started writing my summary and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> Very pretty good. good. Uh, the doctor does look a bit like Willikins. Yeah, throw a mustache on him. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Also that no, comb this, over he has. This time we threw a mustache on Tom. Uh <laughs> Uh, I, 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 the, the joke of Lieutenant Marseille is a little more clever than I'm used to Voyager being. No, I, I, I mean, I picked up on it immediately, but uh-huh. uh, I, I still enjoyed it. I, all of their barely disguised, like that was the the clever. Well, yeah, it was, it was, it was, was it uh, Kim was Kimball, Torres was Tori, like they all had like the laziest disguised names ever. But yeah, then yeah. Paris was Marseille. And I'm yeah. like, all right, it's like all the, right, the doc good. thinking he's being clever for like a second. They'll never figure me out. I liked the, uh, it, it was a lot like that one episode where that, the, those people were pretending to be like fake Janeway and fake Tuvok, where they mm-hmm. had like the giant oversized novelty communicator. Yep. Like there was a lot of that where we've seen these same visual elements for hundreds of episodes and suddenly something's different and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I love fucking Chuck's hilarious. new tattoo. It's fucking dumb as hell. It's yep. a snake wrapped around a Bajoran logo. Yep. Oh boy. No, and, and Tom's did, mustache. Wonderful. Oh. Just just wonderful. And Harry's yeah. a trill. And the the, yeah, the fucking sh- Bolana seeing that mustache for the first time is yep. such good acting from uh, Roxanne Higg Boson. Yeah, it absolutely was. And Tuvok's got a goatee because he's an evil Vulcan. <laughs> I mean, he's a human. He's a human in the, the thing, but still. Yeah. No, um, it's, it's great. I, I really enjoy got, that. He got like a legit introduction too. like when they were like. Because they, they, they start off, and we see evil Janeway, and we see evil Chakotay, and we see everybody. And then, like, it's not until, like, halfway through the episode that we see evil Tuvok, and he gets, like, a low angle sweeping up, storming through the yeah, doorway. Guys, it, guys oh, it's check fantastic. this out. Like, the cameraman's elbow, elbowing you in the ribs. Guys, yeah, it's guys, literally the show this. saying, all right, we know you've been waiting for this one. Yeah. <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth well, it, absolutely. I, I was legit surprised that I enjoyed this, because... Uh, the doctor again doing his arrogant thing again and the oh, holodeck that, that again. intro made me so ready for fucking <laughs> yeah it was bullshit yeah i'm sitting yeah. here watching the episode my uh my brother who is having a kid and now it was going to announce the sex of the baby mm-hmm. and i'm watching this but episode like a press conference yeah exactly but yeah, like a press a conference that i had days. to skype into oh okay and I'm like, this, I am waiting for something very important, so this episode better be good as hell. And the doctor comes out in a smoking jacket and a quill pen, go, and I just go, <sighs> Yeah, he does like a like a Rod Serling Twilight Zone intro. The the thing you're about to see is, is fiction. Yeah, if Rod Serling was a pretentious asshole with a quill pen. 
Eh, he could be a bit of a pretentious Instead asshole. Instead of just he was a, a great asshole. He earned his pretentious assholishness, but he was a bit of a pretentious asshole, I think. Fucking writers. <laughs> also, he smoked. <laughs> hey, just, like, you're uh, watching the, the way, Twilight just, Zone, you sons of bitches. Ooh. I just... Ah! It's a perfect Rod Serling impression. Right? One thing. Um, <laughs> it's like you dug him back up. <laughs> I just wanted to real quick mention last year, uh, not last year, last week, you guys were talking about uh, how your jobs uh, still exist in the future and who you'd work for, you know, sure. bartender mm-hmm. and uh, warehouse and data entry. And uh, as a teacher, you you realize who I would be working with, right? Miles! Uh, yep. <laughs> the only teacher on Star Trek, Keiko O'Brien. <laughs> so you guys definitely come out on top there. Keiko O'Brien, Miles O'Brien's terrible, horrible wife. Look that up. <laughs> For more on that, please listen to that song. Yeah, You've seen what she does to my people. She sucks the life out of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode. I love. I loved this one. I gotta say, I, I don't like, know. That I, go that far. No, I was I, ready to hate I mean, this thing, and it really picks up at the end for me. I don't know if it was just like any port in a storm of Voyager at this point, or if it was like. After that introduction, like, I don't know what I was expecting, but, like, every time somebody showed up doing, like, a goofy twirling mustache thing, only literally in one case, but yeah, it was just, like, so fun to just see them, like, I'm evil. The thing is, and this is my good thing, it is about the Doctor being arrogant, but the show's position is he's too arrogant and he's being kind of an ass and they're making mm-hmm. fun of him and we're not supposed to be sympathetic with him, but then they kind of do make him sympathetic. Like, yeah, they, they, for a comedy episode, they actually take some pretty serious issues and actually like this is a hologram, a person thing that they've kind of whizzed down their leg five or six times. They actually managed to find a decent angle on it this time. And yeah. It mm-hmm. actually works. And I, I didn't hate it. Also, I was prepared as soon as, uh, as soon as I saw, um, and Dwight Schultz's Reg Bark, like, ah, oh, fuck again. Yeah. And he was barely in it. So that was nice. And what he had was justified and earned and good. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, like that character the, makes uh, sense for how much of the episode, like what the series is yeah. set up for him. So no, far. a lot of it, a lot of it is about them using that array to talk to home mm. and he's on the team helping them. So mm. he would be there. That makes uh, sense. In fact, if I can lean in with my good thing there real quick, um, yeah. in Barkley's first scene, he's like, I got a special treat for you. And I'm like, oh, what embarrassing Barkley thing is he going to uh-huh. do now? But it's actually really nice. He gives them a live view of Earth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like from like whatever space station they got floating out there. That's, and a, that's a nice thing for the half of the crew that's from Earth. It's kind well, of a slap I mean, in the face that to the is, rest of them. I mean, a lot of the people from the, uh, on Voyage are going to be like, yeah, good. That's where work is. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, it's Starfleet headquarters. So it is the best. Whatever. But the point is, they yeah. cut to a close up of uh, Janeway. And yeah. she has this like beautiful moment because mm-hmm. she's a good actor. Yeah. And no, so it's, it's like, it's, anytime, it's weird, man, as much as this show drives me nuts, anytime they get those little tiny, like, oh, we're getting closer, we've gotten in contact with Starfleet again, we're getting closer to, you know, we've opened up communication, like, it happens every, every, like, maybe once no, a year. No, that's one thing, that's one thing I think they've managed well all along, they've never sent them too far home too quick, like, they've, they've mm. earned every milestone they've gotten, and it feels like, we can tell they're getting close, but they're still pretty far. And yeah. like, it never feels like they wasted the opportunity. Like that's one thing they've managed well the whole time. I think it's like, Oh, good. Why, oh, good. Uh, you guys are, you guys right. are making progress. Yeah. And that's why like, uh, Oh, I don't know. Probably back during like next generation, you guys were, uh, making fun of Admiral Janeway. Sure. Uh, and I was, it was saying, actually like, Matt's bad. It was Matt's bad thing for that movie. It absolutely that's right. Was. And I remember saying at the time, like, 
listen, when Voyager's over, I will defend Admiral Janeway because I you know I didn't realize how much mm-hmm. I'd like her either, but I yeah. still think she deserved the uh, admiralty for what she'd done. But yeah, you know, I, you guys scoffed at me, and I think we can all agree she earned that promotion. She earned the hell. Oh out yeah, of yeah. No, like, she did. Also, I think. Like, I think- I get she's my good thing for the series. Like the this is the last quadrant. time I'm going to be on Voyager. She's my series good thing. Janeway is yeah. great. Yeah, that's fair. No, I get back from seven years in the fucking Delta Quadrant. I'm I want a promotion and a desk job too. I'm done. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, like, I think she's proven I, she's great at delegating. She's great at like first contact situations. Like I, and, she knows and her the, shit. The thing that Matt brought up when he said that in his defense was um, that she shouldn't be able to boss Picard around because <laughs> well. You know, he's Picard, and I get that, and I still stand by that. He should also be an admiral at this point. Yeah, he just doesn't want to be. Yeah, I guess. By which I mean they don't want him to be because they've seen all those fucking Star Trek movies where Kirk's an admiral, and it's weird. (laughs) Also, let's be honest, guys, nine out of ten Star Trek admirals are either incompetent or evil. Or Commodores. Or Commodores. Is is Janeway the one out of ten? Yes. She's she's in the the one out of ten. We hope. So is uh, that guy Cisco kept working with. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And, Admiral Ross. Uh, yeah, I guess Necheyev. He was. She was good. No, Necheyev mm. was evil. I mean, she was obnoxious, but like, she wasn't like evil, evil. Uh, <laughs> no, evil. I think we need to get Amanda in here to defend her if that's going to happen. No, let's let's not do that thing. Look, I'm going to. You guys talking about Admiral Necheyev in there? <laughs> no, Amanda. What about, what about that mustache guy? Mustache uh, Charlie. Mustache guy. I don't know. There was like the little Japanese guy with the mustache. Uh, from Kirk's era. No, from Picard's era. I don't know. He was on like two episodes. Mm. I liked him. He had a good mustache. All right. All right. I no, guess. I, I don't know. I, I, the guy, I think Kirk's boss in uh, the motion picture, maybe, was a, was a tiny Japanese man, but I could be mistaken. That might be who I'm thinking of. I don't know. I'm just straining to remember another good admiral at this point. Wasn't no, Cisco's were... dad an admiral in Star Trek III? Cisco. Oh, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah he but was. he was evil. Admiral he was the Cartwright. one that masterminded the, uh, yeah. the, in it was Star him and uh, Rene Abrashua hiding in all the it, deleted yeah. scenes. Yep. <laughs> Two DS9 guys, like, uh, trying to stop peace with the Klingons. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Rene Abrashua was a colonel, a rank that has not shown up in any Star Trek production since. <laughs> nope. Because they wanted to do Oliver North jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so he was Colonel West. Right. Oh, God, that's right. Why do I like anyway, Star no, Trek I... 6 again? Uh... Because it was pretty good, but there yeah. was a lot of terrible Chekhov in it. Yeah, yeah. So don't forget that. No, I, I, I've said this many times. I love being wrong about stuff like that. I assumed I didn't like Kate Mulgrew. I didn't like Janeway. I was wrong about both, and I'm yep. glad. I'm, I'm, I Believe me, this would be so much more painful for us if we didn't like the captain. And I think that's going to be my biggest problem with Enterprise, is that guy is so bland. Mm-hmm. Once again, please do not write in and tell us we're wrong. We'll get there and we'll have that conversation then. Yeah. Tired of answering that mail. I liked him um, on Chuck. Uh, let's see. Was he Chuck's yeah, dad? Was... Yeah. What? Really? Hmm? Yeah, the, the captain on uh, Enterprise was Chuck's dad on Chuck. Yeah. And oh, he was good. Oh, I thought you meant Chuckote. Like, wait. Oh. What? Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Okay. I meant the, t- the TV show Chuck. Okay. I now, was he actually was Chuck Chuck's dad show. or was he just leaping into Chuck's dad? They did do an oh boy joke in the first episode he appeared in. Of course, they Chuck, that's the kind of thing Chuck did all the time. Uh-huh. You know, I have never seen Quantum Leap. I do not feel like I have missed a damn thing <laughs> not seeing Quantum Leap, and I would, could die happy never having seen Quantum Leap. I watched a couple. It was pretty good. They kept giving him excuses to dance. Didn't, like, wasn't He's that show, dancer. like, ahead of its time with, like, like gay stuff or something? 
I could be wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, they did They did some, well, because he was always jumping into, like, women and jumping into, like, you know, elderly people. And so mm. they, they would do, like, social issue stuff. Mm. All right. Mm. And uh, they, for the 90s, they were pretty advanced on all the stuff. All right. And well. also, uh, he's in uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Cats Don't Dance. Wow. He plays the, uh, the, the lead cat. <laughs> so I, I'm... I'm good on Scott Bakula. I, I, I like I'm him. sorry, I just wasn't expecting to hear the to hear the title of the movie "Cats Don't Dance" when I got up this morning. So I knew you, you were going to be on the show, so anymore. I don't know why I didn't right? think just, that. But just to be clear, I can just like go take a nap now. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'm. It's 11 p.m. where I am. I'm, I'm, if we're going to talk about Don Bluth movies or whatever, okay, that was a Mark Dindle movie. Oh, excuse the fuck out of me. He directed The Emperor's New Groove, which is very good, and Chicken Little, which is very bad. <laughs> So don't care. I would care if I was reading a regular blog that told me about these things, but... Uh, uh, I got things to say about that blog at the end of the episode. Okay. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing about this episode? Uh, yeah, Bellana's scene with her father was super tiny and also a really nice out-of-the-blue payoff to uh, that episode about her freak baby from earlier in the season. It was really nice to see that. And her completely really out of left field. Hang on, let's go back. Her freak baby? Yeah, her freak baby that she was afraid of. <laughs> I, why? Why? Because of all of its Klingonness and none of its humanness. Yeah, oh, it's a from, whole from her perspective, it's a freak baby. Yes. From our perspective, it's just an okay. Just, just to be just clear. a regular baby. She's she's quarter right. Klingon, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. No, she's so this uh, baby's she's like half. Well, no, 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 no. Uh, Blana is half Klingon, so the baby. Oh, she's, she's half. Quarter. Oh, I yeah. thought she was a quarter. Yes. I thought she was a quarter. No, her mom is full Klingon. Sorry, this is feeling very eugenic all of a sudden. Yeah, it is feeling a little gross. Um, but no, you're, you're right, Matt. That was a nice payout. I've said this before. This has been Balana season. Like they oh, really yeah. fixed her. They, they shoved her in the background for two or three seasons running. And this year they've really done a lot to give her a nice emotional arc and, and fix her character and give her some new details and new things. Yeah. And like, I like what they're doing with her a lot this year. Like, I wouldn't say they happy. bumped her up to like main character status, which I think she could do, but like, no, but she's know. a part of the ensemble and did not feel that way for the middle half of the, of, of, Absolutely. This, of the series. And now she does, and I'm mm-hmm. happy about that. Uh, also, there's a similar scene with Seven and the Ant she had no idea she had that was also quite good. Oh, yeah, they're like, you you get your five minutes, who do you want to call? There must be some Hansons left there. She's like, I, I don't know, I guess I could call someone. They're not going to know who I am. <laughs> and then it's actually pretty sweet. Yeah. This is, this is like the tiniest and worst nitpick ever, but I have to say, the, I mean, I didn't look up the etymology of the name Irene, but... Like, Seven's name is Annika, and her dad's name is Magnus. Those are both Swedish names. Their last name is Hansen. That's Danish, I think, or Norwegian. Isn't Annika like, Irene? Like, this, like, one thing we know about her family is that they're Scandinavian, I guess, and they just throw in an Irene at us. I don't know. Our friend Irene is from Austria. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not Scandinavia. No. no. But it's still, you know, like, after World War Three, everything got all mixed up. That's why I, I know it. I'm just like, it. I felt like they would try to get, I don't know what her mom's name is also. It might just be like, you know, I don't know, like Paula or something. <laughs> Could be. No, it's Paul. It's Paul. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Paul Hansen. <laughs> yep. Um, My good thing, I already talked about. Uh, my bad thing. So... At one point, Neelix pitches his cookbook to the doctor. He's like, hey, you got a publishing deal. Uh, why, why don't I give you my cookbook, which is available in the actual real world? In fact, Matt owns a copy of this cookbook. That yep, it's, a, it's super... appeared on our live show or on our um, on our uh, Q&A oh, yeah, when we live from my streamed. house. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ever make anything is... out of that? Hmm? What's that? You ever make anything out of it? No, there's some good-looking food in there. Like, it wasn't just, like, Star Trek recipes. They also went to the various, like, uh, actors and asked them if they had recipes. And fucking, well, you cool. know, fucking uh, 
uh, Cisco's got some decent food. Oh, it wasn't just Voyager guys. It was all Star Trek. No, it was all Star Trek. Oh, that's cool. Avery that's Brooks, cute. that fucker knows how to cook, man. Oh, nice. That's why Cisco does. Yeah, mm. it was an Avery Brooks oh. thing. No, but this was just some super aggressive, super tasteless buzz marketing. Voyager. Even hey, buy me. my garbage. Yeah. Just he might as well have held the book up to the camera <laughs> and and like mugged. Like it wouldn't have been too out of character for uh, I mean they they literally did that on Parks and Recreation, and we all love that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's a comedy that knows where the fourth wall is and and likes to wink at us. That's not the same thing. This show is meant to be taken somewhat seriously. Is that's it? true. So that's news to no. me. I it's meant to be. You know, Matt, we're serious about Trek, but not too serious. Let's put a rat man in and call him Neelix in our serious drama. Kitchen rat. <laughs> yeah. Matt, what was your bad thing? Uh, so, Dixon Hill's a modern hollow novel series? Oh, yeah, that was weird. I always thought it was an old pulp series that Picard adapted. And Tom invented Captain Proton? Like, he also just didn't adapt an old serial that he liked? I don't know why this bothers me, but it really did. I, I don't know why it bothers you either, because they're constantly making movies based on old stories. Like, I mean, yes. Why would there not be a new version of an old story? That but is like, just as soon version. as like, as soon as someone's like, oh, they make the Dixon Hill novels. I'm like, no, they don't. The Dixon Hill novels are from the 30s, you assholes. Yeah, but they when they say novels, they mean hollow novels, which is all anyone does in the future, I imagine. They don't care yeah. about books. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Read a like, book, if you asshole. say. But if you say he was in Lord of the Rings, you probably mean the recent-ish Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings and not the previous weirdly animated Lord of the Rings from the 70s. Like, not if I'm talking whatever, about Tom Bombadil. Yeah, but he whatever was not the, neither of those. Good. Oh, I should not have opened this can of worms. Uh, <laughs> you said Lord my, of the Rings. You knew what you were getting into. No, I did not. I am willfully ignorant about what I'm getting into. <laughs> my point is, if you the most recent, most successful adaptation of, of a thing is usually the thing people remember. That's just how it goes. Okay. P- Picard probably complains about all the stuff they left out of the Dixon Hill really novels. This one, he he seems like that kind of guy, yeah. But also, just that Tom invented Captain Proton. Like, yeah, does that, that mean he's that just is like, absolutely a valid dig? Like, I don't get that at all. Bizarre. Like, uh, you know what? I actually do kind of like that because it is the kind of like shallow pastiche that Tom would come up with. Like, like he watches Flash Gordon is just like, oh, I can do that. Like, yeah, that feels like something he might do. You're right. I don't know that he has the skill or the patience for that, though. I, I can say, and this isn't a, a, a cheap attempt at buzz marketing. It's really not. I am actively involved in making a tiny independent video game right now. It is a lot of work, and you have to think of a lot of tiny details. I cannot picture Tom Paris working on the scale of an interactive holodeck program and thinking of all those details. No, I barely had the attention like span to make South Park can't Frogger the back color. in high school. That must be it. What's that, Matt? I barely had the attention span to make South Park Frogger back in high school. Yeah, I see. That's it takes like it takes so long. Did you actually well, make it? Uh. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be in the DLC pack for uh, the Nick and Willikins game. Yes, <laughs> South Park Frogger. Uh-huh. Don't sue us. We're only doing this for fun. <laughs> We're just doing this. Uh, Brian, what was your bad thing? Uh, what was my bad thing? I don't know. I liked this episode. Oh, right. Here we go. Okay. Uh, so it's a holodeck episode, and mm-hmm. I'm here, so I guess I have to nitpick a technical thing. Um, in the Hollow novel, the mobile emitter is a 50-kilogram backpack that the Doctor has to wear in order to reinforce the burden of being tied down to blah, 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 whatever. Um, and I don't hate that it's a uh, cheap, heavy-handed metaphor, because no. that's part of the making fun of how bad writer the Doctor is. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it got me thinking... 
why isn't that already a thing? Because we've seen force field emitters and we've seen hologram emitters that are smaller than that on the show. So you're, why you're not can't wrong, they but just make mobile emitters? You're not wrong, but who else wants to bring a hologram outside of their holodeck? Most of them are fine leaving them where, like, nobody uh, likes hi, holograms enough to do the end of the that. episode where they were using holograms for dangerous mining and hazardous yeah, conditions? Yeah, that's true. No, oh, by I, the way, the end of the episode is like, actually, now that I think about it, hold on, I don't know why I did write, that's my bad thing, because that was a fucking stupid ending. That was uh, also really cave. depressing to me for some reason. It was a cave It was incredibly depressing. Okay, um, so I didn't write this out, so uh, this this is off the dome piece, but here's what happens at the end of the episode. We go to a mine, which is full of, like, poisonous gases and stuff. Yeah, and they, so they mentioned of, this in one of the previous episodes with Barkley. Like, they've set this mm-hmm. up before. Yeah, that, like, they've got, like, Mark 1 EMHs are now just, like, doing, like, mining operations. Mm-hmm. But um, since now we've learned that if you leave the EMH on for long enough, it develops a personality, apparently all of these EMHs are... Uh, Self-aware slaves yeah exactly um because they're all sentient and they're all forced to work in poison mines i i i was thinking Um, about this i guarantee there's a novel about like a fucking hologram uprising on that planet the thing is they they, first of all they've implied that it's already started at the end of this episode mm -hmm. because they're like uh play this new hollow novel it will change your life but second of all i don't think starfleet like mainstream starfleet does know that that's what happens because it's happening on voyager which they only have intermittent contact with yeah, and apparently it's also happening to like five hundred slaves that they have. Yeah, but I think I think they probably just put them there to mine and and didn't look at them again. Like they probably haven't figured that out yet. Is there's my a, defense um, of that? There's there's a a really good uh, short film uh, by Don Hertzfeld uh, where they um, oh uh, World of Tomorrow uh-huh. where they talk about how they they created robots to generate perpetual energy by making them afraid of the dark. Yep. Uh, and they generate energy when they move, and since they're constantly running away from the night because they're terrified of it. Wow. They and I'm like, <laughs> oh, this thing is on. This thing is on Netflix. Uh, it's like 20 minutes long. It is absolutely it's worth your time amazing. for that and so many. It's it's got a lot it's, of big concepts in it. It's so good. And that's what I thought of during this yeah. ending. I'm like, this is what you've done. You've created life only to torture it. <laughs> yep. Um. <laughs> And the, now they're handing off each other secret copies of this novel. Which, by the way, did you mention the title of the novel? I did not. Photons Be Free. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that, I'm glad I forgot about that ending to this point, because that, it was, it was so pretty stupid. Terrible. It yeah. was bad, bad ending. And, you know, you got 30 Picardos on the screen at the same time, so. <laughs> hello, 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 hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. There. They're probably all singing, like, complicated harmonies with each other now. Me, 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 me. Awesome. Gosh, it's awesome. a barbershop tetra quadrillotet. <laughs> uh, what else? I think that's all the things, good mm-hmm. and bad. Any, any uh, other? Oh, you know what we didn't mention? What's uh, speaking of Paris's uh, programming abilities, mm-hmm. he goes in and reprograms the Doctor's novel oh, yeah, to that, the Doctor actually... into an obnoxious dick. Yep. <laughs> So, like, in the Doctor's version, you're you're playing as, like, an EMH who's put upon by this evil crew. And so Tom reprograms that you're the assistant to a douchey, tyrannical EMH with a bad comb over. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> no, uh, so fun. Picardo got to play evil, too. And smarmy Picardo is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the thing is, I like Picardo. He just hasn't, like, they haven't done anything new with him for, like, three seasons. He's the same three oh, notes no, no, over no, and yeah. over like, and over again. I like Picardo. Always happy to see him pop up in a Joe Dante movie or whatever, yeah. but... They're not using him, and this no. was an episode where they used him. Like, yeah. 
and I it it didn't even bother, like all the measure of a man stuff didn't even bother me because it was only about ten minutes out of an otherwise pretty good episode. I thought. Well, like I said about the last one, it was vignettes. You would get a little scene of somebody playing the Doctor's novel, and then you would get a little scene of the Doctor talking to somebody about it, and then them talking about it, and so it was like all little, yeah. just little shorts, mm-hmm. and none of them went on for long enough to be boring, except maybe the last measure of a man thing. Yeah. Yeah, they really and, uh, measured some men in that one. They were all cute. Even, like, when they showed, like, Neil explaining the game, and, like, uh, uh, they showed uh, Bellana playing the game, mm-hmm. and, like mm-hmm. you said, her reaction to seeing Tom's mustache was great. Yep. Um, and, uh, like, it works. And I, th- I you've said this before, it's always fun to see somebody wearing the wrong color uniform. Oh, or yeah. a mustache. And so seeing, seeing everybody in a blue uniform was like, eh, that's nice. <laughs> yep. No, it, it was fun. <laughs> Harry reacting to how horrible his character was in the book. Well, I feel Harry. like if Harry met himself in real life, it would be about the same. I Harry, don't think I said, he has the. I don't think he has the self awareness to, to realize that though. Oh, I'm I a real piece you, of if, shit. If you want to know how how much we loved, like why we loved this week so much, is that Harry was barely in the first one, and this one, this episode went out of its way to shit on Harry three times. <laughs> yep. The beginning of the episode, they're all drawing lots to see, like, um, which who's going to get to call their parents uh, first or whatever. Oh, and yeah. his is, like, number, like, 150. Oh, we got yep. a scene with him talking to his mommy. And I then, forgot yes, about that. Mm-hmm. Harry actually disappointing his real-life parents is amazing. Yep. And they're yep. like, you could see his actual overbearing mother exactly the way we've pictured her all these years. Like, oh, exactly oh. the way I thought she would be. If, I was legit waiting had, for. So why aren't you married yet, Harry? Uh huh. I if they had called up Post Atomic Car and said, "Could you guys write a scene, like a little sketch about Harry talking to his parents on the phone?" We would have written that exact scene. <laughs> yeah, like much. Oh, but the captain puts you in charge, doesn't he? Well, I'm in charge of the night shift twice a week, and like, oh my baby oh, well, boy, I'm sure they gave you a promotion, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh-huh. a small ship, mom. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was no, beautiful. It was Yep. All right. Anything else? Uh, no. Um, I don't think so. Chakotay had a ponytail in the novel. That was funny. Not as good as this tattoo, though. Not as good as no. the tattoo or any of the facial hair. Nope. Torres had a really bad wig in the novel. Uh, they all had bad purpose. hair. It was great. <laughs> oh, forgot about this. Harry's mom also gives him homework. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, no, she's... Wait. Because she says she's going to write a letter to the captain. No, no, there, there's a part where she's like, could you write a short essay for my children? Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, oh, for man. career oh. day or whatever. <laughs> oh, uh, it's beautiful. Harry right. sucks. Harry, you're well, so that's... important. Oh, boy. You're making yourself Where's your Mrs. Costanza. I guess so. <laughs> I told you I haven't written it yet. Serenity now. <laughs> All right, that's all for this time. Brian, you said you had some news for us. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, kind of. I've got some old. Um, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I kind of realized why my blog has uh, not been updated lately. It's because I don't give a shit about the movies I'm doing now. Ah, uh, uh, yes, I know that, by pain. the way, guys. Um, uh-huh. And so I'm going to be, uh, in a short while, rebranding. I do have a, I'm going to throw up a couple more uh, canon films updates, but... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be actually going back to Disney. I'm gonna uh, start focusing on the live action Disney movies of the '90s mm-hmm. uh, that I watched in my childhood, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, that's gonna be a good time. But if you'd like to see what I've been up to lately and why I haven't been uh, doing any other stuff, uh, check out vemdrama uh, dot tumblr dot com uh, to uh, 
see some stuff from uh, my plays, some photos mm-hmm. and videos from uh, Sparks Nevada, Marshall on Mars, the uh, oh, officially right. you, authorized you, uh, podcast adaptation. You roped some uh, children into uh, adapting a popular adult uh, comedy podcast. No, that is out. Okay, when you say adult children. comedy podcast, it sounds very wrong. <laughs> a, a comedy podcast that is not in, no, there's no good way to phrase it. It's not like dirty or anything. No, it's not like but I had it's them definitely do not belief. made for specifically for kids. No, they do like it though. They've all they're they're, they're listening now. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, no, they they got into it and it was it was good. It was fun. It was an enjoyable time. So yeah, uh, no, that's fantastic. Yeah, they uh, they did that, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll do the uh, post atomic horror, uh, the stage adaptation. Yeah, uh, uh, coming look, up soon. Look forward to that. I don't know. The and uh, of course, if you buy the uh, if you buy the Nick and Willikins uh, Diamond Exclusive Game of the Year Edition, you can get the DLC where you play as Errol. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you only uh, from I, exclusive from Best Buy. I, um, I'm not gonna say, but Errol is sort of in it, but you don't get. To oh, do is he? Oh, so. yeah. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought. You'll see when 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 it happens. Uh, but speaking of I'm that, excited. we are working on uh, uh, having a game made. In in addition to that, we do mm-hmm. have some other costs we need to cover for the show. Matt and I currently mm-hmm. do not own copies of Enterprise, for instance. That is true. We should probably get to yeah. watch to review for you uh, at I some point in the future. It. We're going to have to subscribe to that CBS streaming thing to watch. Uh, Discovery to review mm-hmm. for this show, so it's not all for the other thing. It's it, we need some things. Uh, there's server costs. There's there's travel when we do live shows. Like there's there's definitely things that would keep this show running more smoothly if we didn't have to pay out of our pockets. There's all the so cocaine we, we want to buy. I do, I'm trying to undersell that a little. I mean, I think this is, is the year you and I both get super heavy into cocaine. Al. No, no, no. I'm. I, it's always. But been this is the year you get super heavy into enterprise. So if ever there was a time, well, I mean that there's a connection there. Can it's you been find a long it? line from here to there. <laughs> <laughs> so please, if you could, the link is on postatomichorror.com. Just just throw a few if all if each of you threw in a few bucks, I could quit begging and we could get on with things. Mm. Just, just help us out, please. I hate doing this so much. It's just a thing we need to do every now and then and like uh, we have right now I, I we have a couple of artists working on backgrounds for the for the game and there's a bunch of placeholder clip art in, and then there's one beautiful background that the artist has provided it, and it's like, oh, I hope I can pay for all of it now, because otherwise mm-hmm. this is going to look real unbalanced. So, if you could, please uh, please check that out. We'd appreciate it. And yeah. Next week, Guys, we're down to... Algar Productions is a great company. It is full of passionate people that do amazing work, and Al may not like selling his stuff, but I love it. So let me tell you, please, please, please do contribute. It's a wonderful, wonderful people. Thank you. Yeah, you're uh, welcome. All right, and with that, uh, we we only have uh, six. Six left? No, eight. Damn it, eight left. Eight. Oh man, I felt so good oh, for no, no, no. Wait, no, we do only have six left. I'm sorry. I'm looking oh. up at my board, and it's like there's four episodes of Pod left, but that's because this one hasn't posted yet. Mm. So there's three more after the this Becker one. cast. Yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> we 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 officially sanction you to do the spinoff if you like. Like that is that is uh, endorsed by us. Hmm. Hi. Uh, I've been really liking Ted Danson after The Good Place, so maybe. Yeah, after The Good Place and Fargo, he's he's really... Yeah, uh, I still still haven't watched Fargo. Oh, oh dude, it's so, it's so good. I know, There's it's, it's actually blue. I gotta get into it. Actually, speaking of Don Hertzfeld, just last week there was a really good uh, homage to his stuff. Oh, nice. On so Fargo? Yes, on Fargo. Wow, okay. I will, I will tell you... That's fantastic. Say see ya, folks, and I'll tell you more about it. Yeah, yeah, see ya, folks. 
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this. Mm-hmm.